All right. Welcome once again to the He's So Weird podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 11, Singularity. Singularity! Which is funny because we don't see the same scenes in the episode a single time. We see them over and over again. Hmm. <laughs> oh. What would we describe this week's mystery as? Cosmic weirdness. Time war. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How, how Clue describes it. In my, in my review, I refer to it as both a time warp black hole pocket dimension thingy and a reverse time wedgie. Those are the two phrases I use <laughs> to describe it. It doesn't even remind me of anything I've seen in Doctor Who, but maybe I just tune out to all the timey wiminess of Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, kind of, I guess, what you'd say it is, and to describe it in as few words as possible, it's a alternate dimension black hole time warp-esque element that things go into and become frozen inside of, as if they're frozen in time. But it also allows people to travel back and forth in time. That's a good summary. Yeah. Yeah, so just a weird time warp thingy, I guess. I don't know. And also, more importantly than weird time warps, baseball. Very important. Baseball. Yes. Fiona's mm-hmm. whole character arc this episode is learning that she can swing the bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make it sound like it's it's that's the only focus of Fiona in the epi- in this episode. Where the issue is more about the relationship between her and Jack, I think. And that Jack does not want Fee to play with him because Fee's really bad at baseball. So she's afraid to join them. So she decides to sit out and Clue tries to get her back in. And then she doesn't. Well, as is often the case in fiction, you know, it takes the meat of the episode for that character to get over whatever block they're having. And then afterwards, they have a little more confidence in themselves, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, this one... um, well, it seems to me that Molly is out. She just did some press for a local radio station, and the family's out playing some baseball with these characters we've never met before or since. <laughs> yeah, a little and, odd. Uh, throughout the game, they shoot, they hit a baseball into the backyard of the local eccentric, whose name is Mad Max, not because he drives a nitro wagon for the post-apocalyptic wasteland, but because his behavior is erratic. And... As they go to investigating it, the ball back, Fiona accidentally, well, Fiona and Clue, I should say, accidentally stumble into this weird time warp thing. And through, uh, and Clue becomes stuck in there, and Fiona barely escapes. And when she escapes, she's been tossed about, I don't know, I would say 15 to a half an hour minutes into the pass. And it's up to her to try and save the day, which she does. Of course she does. Yeah, um, the writer of this episode, his name's uh, John Wiseman, he went to one of our live streams once, and we were streaming all his episodes that he wrote, and he gave us a lot of cool information about this episode. No one knew. He's a really, really big fan of baseball, so... That explains that. Pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why there's a lot, especially in this episode. Um, he talks about how the opening scene, when they're playing softball... Um, and the one of the bases is open. He said that it was based on a real thing that happened at a high school baseball game he covered in Palo Alto in 1989. And uh, it was a playoff game, and the final play of the game went just about exactly as he depicted it. Catcher thought there, there were three out and left home plate. So that's yeah, pretty I'm cool. Gl- I'm glad he explained that because watching the scene, I didn't realize that guy was the catcher and that he walked off because he thought there were three outs. So now it makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's ever happened in the majors. 
I've seen games before. I'm a Mets fan, and I've seen games where whoever was at bat hit the ball, but they thought it went foul when it didn't go foul, and then they got out. So stuff like that happens. Well, I've uh, never been a sports fan my entire life. If you threw a ball at me, I'd probably have a seizure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do we like this episode? I love this episode. I love the baseball, and I think Mad Max is a national treasure that must be protected at all costs. (laughs) He's cool. I like the episode. Um, I don't think it's – it's not up there. It's a a good, like, okay episode, fun to watch. Don't hate it. It's cool. Yeah, I would rank it similarly. I enjoy this one. I wouldn't say it's a great one. It's not a bad one. It's a little middle of the road, but it's fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I especially like the clue and fee moments. Yes. Yeah, that's nice too. I like this episode. Um, I like the timey, the time warp element to it, I guess, and going back in time and figuring out that what we had seen earlier in the episode was actually fee was kind of fun. Um, and like when we didn't know what was happening and why someone was shouting behind the door, that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't care for Mad Max very much, and we can talk about that later. <laughs> no, we can talk about that now. Because Mad Max brings this episode up so high. Because I think it's the actor behind Mad Max that makes him so endearing. Because he is missing teeth, and he wears a baseball hat. He's dressed in flannel. He's this little old man. He uses phrases like, what kind of claptrap is this? <laughs> and that just makes him such an endearing character to me. I can't explain it. But I really love how when Fee is trying to explain to him how she got into his house after she falls out of the time warp into his bedroom. And he thinks that she's broken into his house, so he wants to call the police on her. And then all of a sudden, Fee's trying to explain, I was in this time warp thing. I was in a black hole. My friend got stuck there. There was this dog. All of a sudden, he hangs up on the police. He's like, a dog? What kind of dog? I don't know. What what does it matter what kind of dog it is? What kind of dog? And I just (laughs) think it was hilarious the way he delivered all of his lines. Well, I have a question for the more baseball literate uh, people here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The dog, the rocket, is named after a ball player. Is that a real person, or was that a name they invented for the show? Um, Well, according to John, he told us information about that. He, that guy's fictional. Eddie the Rocket Rabowski is the fictional version of um, John's dad's childhood hero, Stan the Man Moose, Musio. I don't know how to say the last name. Okay. Well, my own – I don't have particularly strong feelings about uh, Mad Max either way, um, but I would say the only issue I have with the character is that actor, Mark uh, Ron Suave, I guess is how you would say that name. There's a – little floaty thing over the E there. Uh, he does kind of a weird old man voice, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. I but love otherwise, weird old man voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> the IMDb yeah. plot synopsis refers to him as a curmudgeon, which I think is a correct way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess to me, he feels too much like a caricature. And I guess what makes him so endearing to a lot of people is his love for his dog. But to me, okay, I've never had a dog, you know, so I don't like (laughs) that. So that's part of it. (laughs) But the voice thing, yeah, you're right. And I don't know this actor. Like, I don't know if he actually has a lisp, 
but in the show he has a lisp. And I don't know. For me, like, p characters in shows that have lisps were often supposed to laugh at them instead of laugh with them. And I feel oh. like that's the case with him here. I'm not that's laughing your, your with background him. as a speech therapist coming through there. Yeah, but actually, even before I became a speech therapist, like, the, you know, that the, I guess what bothered me the most is that he just didn't feel like a real person to me. But that's just me. I, well, I, I get why people like him. But I, I, not for me. <laughs> I do get the impression that the actor is playing older than he is. That is something I do suspect. Mm -hmm. But, you know, well, I mean, obviously Cat loves the character, though, so expound on that some more. I want to hear some more of your Mad Max fandom there. <laughs> All right. So I never thought of it as the Lisp as something to make fun of his character. I thought of it as he's supposed to be the stereotypical crotchety old man, doesn't want children to play on his lawn. And everybody thinks that he's hoarding all of the baseballs when really he's just this lonely old guy who lost his dog, only wants his dog back, and is really a nice guy once you get to know him. Unless you come knocking on his door looking for a baseball, in which case he'll yell, nah, -uh, and slam the door in your face, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with everyone else. I do like it at the end, you know, once he gets his dog back and he explains to Fee how... He he bought his child at home, like he's just been waiting for 50 or so years for his dog to come home. Which That's is sweet. cute, but crazy, because that dog normally would be dead by then. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> Mad Max fits. <laughs> well, also, that goes along with the whole notion of when you love somebody, like, you don't give up on them. For example, recently I watched Who Took Johnny on Netflix, the documentary about the missing Johnny Gosh. And his parents left the porch light on for 17 years. So I think it's the same thing. Like this Mad Max, he never gave up hope. And he knew when he was a kid that he saw his dog disappear. So he never gave up hope on that. Well, you could even make the case that this ties into So Weird as a series. It's theme about loss and issues of that nature. I don't think the writers were thinking of that. But you just saying that maybe connect those dots. Yeah, I'm getting very meta here. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I like about this episode is there's a lot of good Fiona Jack stuff in this one. Oh yes. Um, I really love the scene where she has that little heart to heart with him after she pops out of the time warp and lets lets Jack know that even though they have their disagreements, that they're still brother and sister and they still love each other. That is a good Fiona moment. Uh, anytime they get Kara to cry, she didn't cry too much there. But anytime that happens, it always, you know, makes your heart tighten up a little. Yeah. yeah. I think that's some of her best acting in that scene. Um, the delivery of the lines feels very natural. You know, it's not like she says everything perfectly. She's just a kid after all. And she kind of fumbles over her words, but it feels even more heartfelt because of that. It's just really, really lovely. Yeah. And they hug it out, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the beginning of the episode, Jack is pretty mean, uh, just saying that she stinks, like confirming what she believes. So Molly is just urging him, like, she probably could have played if he asked her or gave her pointers or whatever. So, yeah, you thankfully know, at the end, he is like very nice to her and saying, I could teach you, teach you some tricks and all that. But in the beginning, he was not so much nice. And in the middle, I feel so bad for him 
because he was so confused. The way the timeline works, Jack was walking to Mad Max's house. I think it's on his way back that Fiona sees him and stops him in the street. The Fiona that's about to go into the time warp sees him and goes over and gives that little speech about how much she loves him because she's afraid she might get stuck in the time warp and never see him again. And then as he continues walking down the street, the Fiona that has not gone to the house yet, I think this is when she stops him and Jack's like, what's with you? And before you were being all nice to me and now you're acting like this. Yeah, and I like that moment from a writer's perspective because they don't stop and explain that the first go around. You have to watch all the the episode the whole way through to get that, and that's some nice. That's you know, that shows how much the writer of this episode was willing to put his faith in the young audience to get what was going on. So I enjoy that. Yeah, it's definitely a puzzle piece. It's still confusing now to put together. Yeah, definitely. You, I mean, I can't understand it if I had seen it only once. Had to see it. More than once. Yeah, and John Wiseman said this episode was a pain to write, so he may not be able to explain it <laughs> well to us either. Well, it doesn't get into tangent timelines or alternate universes or anything like that. It's not, you know, primer, but uh, it is a little perhaps conceptually more complicated than some of the other episodes. Uh, what do we think of Which this? Which I, I think that's why it's a good balance that the episode is kind of a little goofy with Mad Max's character. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Now, what do we think of the special effects of the time warp? Hmm. Um, I like the the effect they used to have them get sucked up into the time warp. But actually, in the time warp, it looks very cheesy. It reminds well, me know, of Tron. <laughs> you know, I get a little bit of Tron. I get a little bit of, like, Star Trek The Next Generation. It kind of looks like something from that show. Um, I think it's actually okay. You know, you sometimes the special effects on the show are cheesy to the point where they take you out of it a little bit, like in Strangling is one where I have that problem. But this one, I think the time warp alternate dimension thing looks okay. Yeah. No problems. Yeah, no problems. Um, as of, like, talking about how they got out of it, which is hitting the baseballs, was like... Um, okay. <laughs> well, you know, that's like, okay, this is a 20-minute, 22-minute episode show. 22-minute show, we got to wrap this up somehow. So what can we do to make, get everybody out of the time warp? And that was just what the, the solution they came up with. Yeah. Bringing, bringing it um, all together with Fee eventually, you know, getting faith in herself with baseball or softball and getting out of the time warp. Right? It all worked out. But, I would, you know, at first I was like, okay, that's pretty simple. More props to Mad Max for teaching Fiona how to hit a bat. Hit a ball with the bats. I messed that up. Yeah, and, um, and I, you know, and the rules of the time warp leave me with some questions about how when Clue touches one of the baseballs, it causes him to get caught up in the time warp thing. And But later when Fiona hits the baseballs with the bat, that doesn't the same thing doesn't happen to her so i guess if a living thing touches something within the time warp they become stuck but if they touch it with another object that's okay i mean like i said it's a half an hour tv episode they can only get into it so much it kind of reminds me of hey arnold the episode where helga hits her head on a water fountain and loses her memory so the solution for finding her memory is to hit her head again (laughs) (laughs) well you know that's that's television amnesia it only works that way in tv (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so television time warps. It only works that way in TV. <laughs> right, because time warps are a thing that exists. Hey, <laughs> well, you, you never know. know. In the, the the opening of the episode, Fiona talks a little bit about the science behind this, about black holes and how time genuinely, scientists believe that time warps around the gravity of a black hole. So there is, they try to root it in some science a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I thought that uh, opening monologue was cool. And then how she ends it off with the question, maybe we're not supposed to, you know, go back in time. Though the episode itself Which, proves that because she goes back in yeah. time and fix things. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she could have gotten stuck there. So it still makes you think. And uh, my moment I like in this is Fiona at the beginning with the camera. That uh, makes me think of like a so weird found footage horror movie. And that's an idea I, I want to see. That's what that moment thinks me think of. Well, it's kind of funny because in season three, Jack's muse reveals to him that he has a thing for photography. Right. And they don't play up on that at all in this. <laughs> well, that's because it doesn't come up until season three. Yeah. Um, it's kind of odd. Like, well, no, that's going into season three. Yeah, we can say that. I won't go I, in. <laughs> I feel like every episode of the show, we complain about season three and we complain about Disney not releasing the show in some capacity. That's something that happens every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a lot of Fiona clue time in this one. What are everybody's thoughts on that? Yay! Yeah. I like in the beginning how Clue generally asks like, if he wants to play, to join along, but if he's just too embarrassed on how she can't play, so she acts it up like, yeah, I don't even like it. And there's some cute Clue and Fee time while they're sitting on the bench together, and Clue is the one to go sleuthing around with Fee. Yeah, I like how Clue asks, um, like, he notices that Fee maybe is a little down, and so is Jack, so he asks, like, if they're getting along okay. Yeah, which makes me wonder if, like, they've been in an argument for not just, like, the situation but before the episode even started something was going on but that's I don't a know good idea be. yeah because yeah. like at the beginning like she looks over at jack and i don't know it, it seems like she just wants to stay away from him when clue asks if she wants to join mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. well it could just be brother sister rivalry who knows um, also, is this the first time we hear In the Darkness in its entirety? Is this the first time we hear all of that song? I believe so. Because Molly I think announces it's... that she just got it as a radio hit. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking it's following up the episode Rebecca. Because in Rebecca, she... Um, I forgot where she goes to, but she goes to someone. I think her demo or something. And it's when she wanted to go look for Fee, but Jack's like, no, this is important. You need to go. Oh, that's a good connection. Oh, you mean uh, Tulpa? Is it Tulpa? Yes, yeah. Tulpa. Whoops. Yeah. So yeah, the episode right before this one. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, not a lot of Molly in this one. I wish they had given her a little more to do, but she's basically there at the start with the baseball game where she's interacting with everybody, and then she shows up again at the end. Well, that's because she had to go to the optometrist. Right. <laughs> Which is a random thing to throw in there. Like, oh, I've got to go to the optometrist. Like, okay, I don't know why it had to be that of all things. That was a very specific reasoning. I well, don't know why. Well, everybody needs to get their eyes checked. I mean, I think they say it because she had called the wrong play or something. And then since Fee has the camera, they show it again. And Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, that's why Molly's like, okay, that's why, Fee, you're, go- you're coming along with me. Because Fee's the one that caught it on her camera. 
Oh, okay. And I love that camera, by the way, that giant, the, the giant <laughs> viewfinder on that camera. It takes about half of the camera, and it's just like, you know, I mean, they have to be. The Phillips family has to be loaded because Fiona has like a top-of-the-line laptop, which she replaces at least once in the course of the series. <laughs> she has this fancy-dancy uh, camera. She has wireless internet on her tour bus, which didn't <laughs> even exist in 1999, I, I don't think. Uh, all these things. So obviously, you know, they didn't, Molly did not squander the fortune she made with her previous band. Yeah. I believe yeah, it. Is there, pretty loaded to get all yeah. that tech. Um, is uh, Ned in this episode at all? I don't think he is. Hmm. No. No. Ah, missed him. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to see? I'm looking for my notes here. <laughs> John Weissman in the chat, uh, brought up something that I didn't realize before. So he wrote this episode and the episode Memory, and he mentioned that he realized that there was a parallel between the two episodes uh, with the ending scenes. So in the end of Memory, Jack says, you know, let's go swimming, you know, and then they all, it like they kind of reunite after that and get over whatever argument they had. And then in this one, he says, let's go play baseball. So, and then they, you know, it's all over with. They aren't upset with each other anymore. And I just thought that was really cool because I hadn't paid attention to that before. That is an interesting parallel. And also both of those episodes have kind of a non-linear thing going on. He writes cool episodes. Um, he also wrote, <clears throat> was it Second Generation? Yeah. And Strange Geometry. Oh, I like all of those. Me too. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and I do, even though the character, you know, I'm fine with, but I do like the interaction between Fiona and Mad Max. Watching them play off of each other is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really fun. I like the drum beats in the background. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's one thing that gets on my nerves. It's, it's just like, so funny. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, this is taking me out of the scene. It's so irritating. Yeah, it, it's like a free association jazz drum score. That is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like, it didn't have it, and then they started yelling, and it, music just popped up, which is so funny to me. Uh, well, that's how you know the stakes are getting higher is because the uh, <laughs> drums are playing. Um, yeah, and uh, I do love the dog, the rocket. That's a great name for a dog. And I love the ending where the baseballs drop out of the sky. That's a pretty neat special effect. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, when Clue is reunited with his hat, there's a beautiful oh, yeah. shot of him putting his hat on. It's like kind of slow mo. Yeah, it's we should true. ship it. <laughs> Clat. Clat. <laughs> Clat. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So why did Fiona take off? Clue's hat and throw it like that. What was the basis of that again? Oh, she was doing a magic trick to make the hat disappear. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, I think just to get them into the time warp. Yeah. I thought that was so cute. They're Me such too. beautiful. Yeah, I like how Clue like plays along with her. Yeah. And I like at the end how Clue's just <clears throat> perplexed at what happened and he's like that was just cosmic weird weirdness, and he's like, "I wonder if t- I have to take physics now." <laughs> yeah, he's well, great I, in this episode. I feel like Clue would have that reaction to most anything. It's just be like, "Whoa, man, what was that?" <laughs> yeah, Clue is like classic surfer dude, stupid. It's great. 
not stupid, just a little less aware than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but the same with the baseballs. The only thing I have to say is that everyone else didn't seem too weirded out about it either. It was like, whoa, where these all these baseballs come from? And then, oh, let's just go play. You know? <laughs> that, that's a good point. And, uh, oh, wow, where'd this 50-year-old dog come from? <laughs> yeah. Out of the sky. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, you know, that makes me think, like, man, I wish So Weird had done an episode about uh, strange rains. That would have been a, a cool topic for them to dis- dissolve. <laughs> oh, like the fish raining from yeah, the sky? Yeah, well, fish and, and people have talked about blood raining from the sky and frogs and all of these. I've heard of spiders <laughs> raining from the sky. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just a just a spider NATO. Everybody stay inside until it's over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't have obviously do not have a lot to say about this one, but you know, it's, it's I do enjoy it. It I like the interplay between the characters in this one. I like the the way the timeline is mixed up a little bit. I like that they use the song playing on the radio as a basis, so the audience knows at what point in time Fiona is in this one. Yeah, love the continuity of her like musical career advancing that we see throughout the ser- the whole series. And it is nice to um, give Fiona kind of a little more vulnerable moment with the whole, if she does, she doesn't know how she feels about playing the softball because, you know, she has a lot of vulnerable moments, but usually she's pretty self-assured. So that's nice little bit of character development there. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, she played basketball fine with the guys, but I guess not softball. Yeah, it is um, interesting that there were sports in two episodes back to back. And they really missed an opportunity not opening the next episode with some air hockey. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, in, in, in Fiona's defense, baseball has more rules than basketball, I think. Also, baseball is harder than basketball, I think. Mm. Okay, so yeah, overall this episode, you know, I do like this one. I think the interior logic of the time warp is a little underdeveloped. Um, and I think Mad Max is just a little too goofy, but otherwise I enjoy everything else about this one. Yeah, some other things that we- um, Wiseman said in the live stream, if anyone listening knows about baseball and all that, he said like the hitting advice that Max gave was from Ted Williams. Don't know who that is. <laughs> and he said the last moment, the last scene of the episode where Max gives the baseball bat to Fiona, that was a little of mean Joe Green tossing his jersey to the kid in an old Coke commercial. I, I know that reference. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that one. That's a, that's a very famous Super Bowl ad from the 70s. So yeah. so that's, that's TV, so I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I love it that you guys can get the writers of the shows to come in and watch the live stream and give feedback and things of that nature. Well, it's- yeah, it was just so cool for him to join one day, unsuspectedly. Yeah, we learned a lot from him. It'd be great to have more on. One of these days we should try and get one of the writers for an interview, maybe. We should. I have so many ideas for this, but I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anybody else yeah. have anything they want to say about Singularity before we move on? You got to rate it. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay, so, someone else go first, obviously. <laughs> I would rate it a five. I would give it an eight. Uh, I'd give this one a 6.5. Uh, I don't do that. 
I really like <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Um, I feel like a broken record because I kind of feel the same way I do about Tulpa. Like, I, I love the way this episode develops Jack and Thee's relationship. Um, and I, I really like this episode, even with Mad Max in it. So, there. Yeah, I like the good balance with Mad Max's character and then the moments between Jack and Fiona. I love Mad Max's character, Jack and Fee moments, plus the adorable Clue and Fiona moments. Okay, well, um, all right. So we have anything else we want to say about this episode of the show or what's been going on? Um, Our sports history in school? <laughs> You all heard the news. No, oh my God! You all heard the news about that Sir Raven, I guess. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, I, there's I going to be a spinoff. Another not a spinoff. Raven? Not a spinoff. Uh, what's it called? A revival, sequel, sequel, revival type of thing. Oh, so they're doing the same thing with that that they did with Boy Meets World. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't. I never watched that Sir Raven. That was a little after I had checked out of the Disney Channel. But, uh, huh. Yeah. So I think there's a little summary. Um, it says Raven Baxter will now be a divorced mother of two preteen kids, one of whom has inherited her psychic abilities. The pilot will be written by Scott Thomas and Jed, who currently served as EPs on Disney Channel's Best Friends Whenever casting is currently underway there has been enough time that raven simone is now old enough to play a mother of two children that <laughs> makes me feel terrible you guys <laughs> um how, how long has it really been i don't think it's been that long well when well that show was on the air when i was in high school so it's been at least 10 years i guess which yeah uh, oh my god that's what raven was in like 2002 i think yeah 2003 ish i know for sure that was the last show that i saw when i eventually stopped watching disney channel it ended in 2007 so oh right that was i think the first episode that broke the 65 episode rule or the first show the first show yeah yeah i did not like that so raven at all i never yeah. watched really? it so i don't I, it looked like a really typical teen sitcom to me it it was there was a lot of slapstick humor and mm -hmm. like she dressed up in all these costumes and like it was you know it was a sitcom i guess a situational comedy so whatever situation she was in was supposed to be really funny but i never found it funny it was just Me not neither. my humor i always oh thought God. it was just like over the top cheesy not realistic yeah yeah i i liked the show it wasn't that bad to me um i know the shows after that that's like couldn't really enjoy them but that one was the last one that i kind of enjoyed at least the the beginning episodes, like the not the latest episodes that they had done, it got I don't too cheesy. But was that before or after Hannah Montana? Before. before. Okay. Well, that's another show I never watch. But um. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. when I heard this news, I was like, you know, slightly hopeful that maybe they're getting back into you know capitalizing or whatever you want to call it on their older stuff and looking back into their older stuff a little more. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, there, that show doesn't need a sequel. It's it so already weird had needs one. A sequel.
Oh yeah, it had a spinoff, Cory in the House. Yeah. That's right. Oh my god, then it definitely doesn't need a sequel. Whatever. So weird. My, my only familiarity with Cory in the House is it's an internet meme of some sort. People yeah. are always saying Cory in the House is the best anime, and I don't understand why that's funny, but people think it's funny. <laughs> I never saw that show. I didn't either. Me neither. But I enjoy the funny memes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know I, know, I know some, not some people, but I know a couple that thought about, oh, maybe they'll think back to their older shows and, hmm, so weird, older shows. And we had just talked about that in our last podcast episode about reboots and all that. I mean, but, I guess anything is possible, but I have absolutely no faith in Disney remembering this show at this point. Me yeah, I mean, with I that's for Raven. I think that one might have been. I think it's the pop, the most popular show. Well, maybe Hannah Montana beats that, but I mean, being the first show that broke the sixty-five episode rule, it's just it was very very popular. So a reboot or whatever makes sense to me, but they won't go before that or maybe lizzie mcguire is as far as they would go yeah they will not go before lizzie mcguire and reboot their spinoffs or anything like that yeah if they do a sequel to lizzie mcguire or something if hillary duff needs a paying gig and they do that uh maybe then i would start to wonder if somebody at disney is aware of so weird but um unless that happens i mean she had movies i'm not gonna keep my hopes up yeah lizzie mcguire had movies yeah. At least one. I know that. There was a theatrical film. Was there like some direct to video thing I missed? Two. I don't know. Maybe just one movie. But so many of those shows back then got movies as like the ending thing to make it all come together, or at least feel, you know, final and There was like a it. rumor for So Weird that So Weird was supposed to have a Disney Channel original movie called The Encounter. Really? Yeah, it was a really strong rumor back in the early days of YouTube. I've never been able to find anything official about it, but there used to be so many fan-made trailers for it. Yeah, I think I remember those trailers. <laughs> this is the first I've ever heard of it. It sounds like fan fiction to me, but that's interesting. Because, like, the famous yeah. Joe Jackson got a DCOM. Mm -hmm. the even, right. even Stevens got a DCOM. Mm -hmm. That... Um, you know, that's interesting. I don't think John Cooksey would know anything about that, would he? I, I'm pretty Probably sure not. it's totally fake. Yeah. Like, completely fake. Because if there would be... A, well, there wouldn't with how season two ended and season three. Yeah. If we're thinking and about fee. And YouTube started around 2015, uh, 2005, which is a yeah. really long break for a movie. So. Oh, good point. So, the, yeah, that sounds like fan stuff to me but i totally yeah. missed that i didn't know about that at all so that's sort of interesting yeah and i was thinking about a so weird uh reboot or however you want to call it mm -hmm. um if disney ever wanted to do that if i don't think listening. I would, <laughs> well i don't think they i would want disney channel though to do the reboot i don't want them to do it with how disney channel is now and yes. I think that's the reason why Disney Channel will never do it is because So Weird doesn't represent what Disney Channel is now. Who would you want to do it, Kathy? Oh man, I, I don't really watch TV. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, Netflix. I think well, that would be great. 
I was kind of thinking that too. Uh, but I don't know. Netflix, they don't really do a lot of 30-minute shows, do they? I don't know. Well, there's um, Fuller House. house. Oh, that's right. You know, anyway. It's purely hypothetically, if a So Weird Revival was to happen and it wasn't a good fit for Disney, I would assume they would put it on Freeform, which is also in the ABC Disney family suite of networks. And they showed that Dead of Summer show, so they already have kind of a basis there for paranormal-ish tinged mystery shows. So, Yeah, but I don't know about that either. I just feel like it wouldn't feel like the same show if it was on Freeform. I just don't want Disney's hands on it because I, I think of season three and I feel like it's going to be another version of season three. I would want the original writers on it. Like if the original writers were on it, then I think we'd be okay. Like with Girl Meets Worlds, they have the original writers for it and like it's cheesier, but it still stays true to the original. I mean, the original was pretty cheesy too, so. Uh, <laughs> have you watched Girl Meets Worlds? Uh, I've watched about two minutes of it. <laughs> it's easier, trust me. Okay. Anywho, we're wandering um, off topic here. Yeah. Uh, something <laughs> else that we learned or that came out this past week. Um, Are You Afraid of the Dark is going to be on Netflix now. Okay. okay. Where did you hear that? Um, the Netflix Facebook page. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it anywhere. I've seen it everywhere because everyone's like, oh, my God, I love this show. And I'm over here like, man, Phony So Weird is on Netflix. <laughs> well, there's hope because Disney Channel does have shows on Netflix. Um, you know, just getting the show in a quality better than a 20-year-old VHS rip would be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God, I don't know. it's going to be 20 years soon. Uh, I know. How's it feel? It feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, that's, that's the ultimate mystery. Age is coming for all of us. Uh, what are we even talking about now? I don't know. <laughs> I, I brought up Are You Afraid of the Dark? Cause right, uh, okay. Related to Nickelodeon and them being so awesome at caring about their old, old shows. Well, you know, but if it was on Netflix, a lot of people who haven't seen it since it was originally on would rediscover it. And that would be, mm-hmm. you know, groovy for sure. Uh, though I did notice a couple episodes are back up on YouTube, but they, they're in that weird cropped video format where people yeah. put the image real <laughs> tiny around the border so that it doesn't activate YouTube's automatic detect for copyrighted material. Yeah, and I think they speed up the audio. Or yeah, it's a really terrible way to watch things. <laughs> but it's there. But it's the easiest way, so people appreciate people that put that up. Well, a couple of times before we've recorded and I've been away from my DVD collection, uh, the show, the entire series is up on Daily Motion, which is like the French ripoff of YouTube. So if anybody wants to watch it there, I mean, the quality is not super duper. But if I've been away from the DVDs and I needed to watch an episode, that's usually what I do, even though Kathy has repeatedly told me to download the better quality <laughs> versions that are available. I was just going to tell you, <laughs> why don't you download them? They're pretty good quality minus like two episodes or so fountain someone please find a high quality <laughs> version of fountain it's one of my favorites and it just makes me so sad well anyway i think we're about done yes. <laughs> <laughs> since we've been talking about completely unrelated topics for the last half hour um, so this has been the so weird podcast i'm zach i'm kathy i'm emily i'm kat 
Alright, we will see you again soon. Keep the faith. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.